On this episode, we discuss Collateral Beauty. So if this was an X-rated movie, it would have been called Collateral Booty, right? And if kids made it, it'd be called Collateral Duty. And welcome to the Flop House. I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart the Hustlin' Hoosier Wellington. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and kind of thrown off by the not perfect timing of Stuart's beer opening there, but still admiring that new nickname you gave yourself. I'm Elliot. Comments on everything Kalen. Nice sip of a beer, Dan, while I was talking. And Stuart, great pins on your jacket. We're here in Dan's apartment. Cleaner than usual. A lot less cat debris on the floor than I'm used to. And what are those in the corner? A pair of shoes. Can't wait to hear what kind of adventures Dan's been having walking around in those in the big city. New York. Gotham. The Big Apple. Batman's home. Superman's dome. Spider-Man's place. <laughs> The, current, the country's face, the financial center of the world, theater capital of America. Great. I can get the nap that I really wanted during the <laughs> movie in right now. Home so, guys, what do you think of that nickname I put out there? I think I'm, uh, I'm going to take, yeah, take it for a walk. No, I like it. I like it. What I like now, about it is, what? one, it tells us a little about your backstory yeah. uh-huh. and that you were a male hustler. And mm-hmm. two, it tells us the name of your favorite movie, Hoosiers. Mm-hmm. And then also, you know, uh, something, a little-known fact about Stewart is that He's uh he's like a corn-fed Midwestern boy. Mm-hmm. Give me that yummy corn. <laughs> yum yum yum. <laughs> Feed me more of it. <laughs> now here's on the, the cob in a big bowl with butter. <laughs> mash maybe, it up. I'll maybe on it. pizza if you're in Europe. Who cares? Here's the thing though. Can you say that someone is corn-fed anymore when corn is by far the largest crop in the United States? It's subsidized at such a rate that it's actually would be more expensive not to grow it. Yeah, and yeah so I mean, I can say whatever I want. Fed. Judge Dredd's not going to kick down the door <laughs> and send me off to the fucking solitary, what is it, the the solitary cells, the isolation cubes? Which one is it? Arkham, Dan? Arkham Asylum. Uh, they just freeze you up and put you in a... That's yep. Demolition Man. <laughs> All right, sorry. What if Demolition Man... Okay, Judge I'm with Dredd you. from the Sylvester Stallone movie Judge Dredd, and they had to fight Dredd from the movie Dredd. Okay, I mean, is that the pitch for a movie or a comic book? It's called Too Many Dudes. Or like a Tumblr story? (laughs) A Tumblr story. And then they all have sex with each other. I feel like Too Many Dudes, like that's pretty ambiguous of a title. I think you're underselling your property. (laughs) Mm, Okay, I wanted to call it Too Many Dreads, but I thought people might think it was about a Jamaican hair. Yeah, Jamaican hair. Yeah, they're like, where's Dread Scott? (laughs) <laughs> Where's huge movie star Dred Scott of the I Supreme mean, Court decision of the same name? Because um, you know he spun that into a into a movie career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he was in he was in Club Dred the movie <laughs> and Judge Dred Scott. Mm-hmm. Dan, what do we do on this podcast aside from offend people? Uh, this is a podcast where we watch a bad movie and then we talk about it. And tonight we watched a movie called Collateral Beauty. Which is a thing that was explained several times in the movie, and I still don't know what it's supposed to be. Uh, here's my thinking on it. Collateral beauty is mm-hmm. the beauty around other stuff. Okay. Wow. Like All those that, years of improv really showing off, Elliot. Like it's the beauty that's thro- cast into sharp relief. You finally see it when something bad happens. 
You become more present and more aware of the beauty in the world because you're raw. Is that? What, I feel like that's what they want you to think it is, but well, it really is so wool over my poorly eyes. explained in the movie. That well, let's let's talk about what the movie's about, Dan. Who are the right. stars of this movie? Because there's big name stars. There's big stars like William Smith. Yep, Will I Am Smith. Uh, there's uh, Edward <laughs> Norton. <laughs> yeah, weird way to pronounce it. Oh, wow, right? yeah, that's great. Yeah, there's keep going. Kate Winsley. Okay, this bit continues to roll. Let's give us some more names. And Michael Pena, who I will say correctly, lest I seem racist. <laughs> I right, mean, there's kind of more racist. That, yeah. I feel like, yeah. Uh, yeah, you're, uh, and Naomi <laughs> Harris, another Academy Award yeah. nominee. Helen Mirren is in it. Helen Miram. Kira Knightley. Kira Knightley. Little KK. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess what people call her. So hey, this KK. Is, this movie Great work, Ben, and like Beckham, KK. Hey, KK. You gonna make any more Caribbean movies, KK? This guy keeps interrupting KK. me. Hey, KK. What you atoning for? Atonement. KK. What else was Kira? Why do you keep walking away, KK? Hey, KK. Hey. Oh, I'm so sorry. I thought you were Kira Knightley. <laughs> You're doing hey, a great job as the face of Chanel. <laughs> Balfo work, KK. And King Kong is like, <laughs> me? No, not you. Oh. Same he initials. thought for a moment, Kong thought that he was the face of Chanel. <laughs> he was, mm-hmm. finally. Oh. oh my, Kong, beautiful. My beautiful Punum. He's Jewish. A lot of people don't oh, know that about King Kong. I mean, that explains a lot of the story. Though. Yeah, he is he, just like Larry King and Alan King. Mm-hmm. Um... <laughs> So this is a movie about a very sad Willie Will, 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 Will Smith, <laughs> big Willie style Smith. Dan, I want you to do the summary this time yeah, yeah. because I love the way you're going and I want more of it. Look, wherever this crazy taxi takes me, I want to get out and I'll pay $100 extra in tip. He's so sad that his kid died that he plays with dominoes all day. Tell me more. Where does he work? He works at an advertising agency. How long into the movie did it take us to figure out that's where he worked? 30, 40 minutes? 30 minutes, minutes maybe, at least. Now, who does he share this ad agency ownership with? Uh, Edward Norton. Uh Uh-huh. Of TV's uh, The Honeymooners. Kate Winslet and Michael Pena. Of TV's Titanic and Michael Pena of the movie's Chips. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so... And now they're worried about him, right? mm -hmm. Because he's so grievy boy. Yeah, he's uh, he's not able to do basic things in his life. I mean, he comes into work every day, but as he does it, he has to play the f- set up the aforementioned fancy dominoes things to knock down, and he can't seem to work up the energy to even pay for his rent at which Kate Winslet discovers when she comes to visit him. Now, we know that he was not always this way because we see in the first scene he's like a charismatic boss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Given like a funny, motivating speech. And Dan, what does he emphasize and highlight as the three things that drive all human action? He says if he really goes Says first you get the money. He goes, yeah. mm-hmm. Then you get the power. And then of course You get the women. The women. Mm-hmm. Now it maybe you they're get, like you plagiarize that dude, but you're such a great boss. We'll roll with it. And he's like, and that's right. Highest sales get a co- DVD copy of The Women, the remake, <laughs> starring who, who is in that? Oh, I fucking don't know. I, I, I'd I, say KK was in it. Yeah, KK. Hey, were you in this? KK. <laughs> hey. hey, sign this. Sign this DVD. <laughs> anyway, uh, he gives a speech in which he identifies the three. He says, "What's your why?" And he identifies the three motivators of human action, and they are Stuart, time, mm-hmm. 
love, mm-hmm. and death. Oh, kind of a twist ending there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Spooky. Uh, and so now he is mad at time, love, and death. And his friends slash business partners, Michael Pena, Edward Norton, and Kate Winslet, mm-hmm. they, what do the they do, The three Dan? Mouseketeers, let's call them. Uh, sure, no reason to. <laughs> uh, they decide, so they discover. They've they, already hired a private eye to follow him. Yeah, and they want to. Like w- this is some kind of Paul Auster novel. Who the, and this the, is all set the character, York. the character actor who plays the uh, private eye is like she's always a nanny in things, right? She uh, seems like confusing her with Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, Doubtfire. okay, yeah. Maybe was she Mrs. Doubtfire in that movie? You know why they she played Mrs. Doubtfire's <laughs> mom. <laughs> Call me Elvira. Elvira Doubtfire. You know why they call it why she how she got that name? No. Uh because her house was on fire. <laughs> okay. And she refused to believe it and died and came back as a sort of nanny spirit. Oh, so it's like it's like an old English like you get named after your profession. Exactly. <laughs> You're the person who doubts fires are happening. Yeah. Uh <laughs> How that person was supported in the, uh, like, village economy, who knows? She yeah. was one of those holy fools who was mm-hmm. taken care of by charitable works. <laughs> other, As it's also yeah. known, the GOP health plan. Oh! Oh, wow. Topical. Dan, so they hire this private eye, and what does she discover? Well, the reason they hire She's this private eye. She's watching him, watching mm-hmm. him, watching him, watching him. There's a chance for them to sell the company and all make... Mucho Dolores. Mm-hmm. And so. Lots of Dolores. <laughs> you also get the feeling like the company is failing without, you know, a firm hand at the at the, the tiller. Apparently yeah. it takes the three of them to equal one pinky finger of Will Smith. Mm-hmm. He's the Don Draper of this movie in that he is, one, an advertising genius. Mm-hmm. Two, ruining his par- business partner's business. And three, very depressed and unwilling and, and to. And driven by his, his yeah. whims, basically. Yeah, his whims and his loss mm-hmm. in yeah. equal measure. And Will Smith owns the controlling interest in the company, so they need to prove that he is mentally unstable to wrest control of the company from him. And sell it so that it can stay in business. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, which is not such a terrible motivation for them, but they come up with the most evil plan to put into <laughs> effect afterwards. Now, this plan comes about... Edward Norton, he decide, he takes a shine to an actress who was lined up to audition for a commercial uh-huh. by the aforementioned KK! Mm-hmm. KK! She doesn't want to come over. No. <laughs> no. So uh, she's too busy. She's start, pretending that she can't hear you. She's, she's reading starting a, uh, KK's delivery service. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no. I refuse. I forgot your anti-studio <laughs> Ghibli joke rule on the show. Oh... <laughs> uh, Brother, I'm sorry that I'm a little uh, slow tonight, guys. No, it's okay, okay. I'm I'm very tired. The thing is, Dan, you and I, we got a little bit twisted last night at the yeah. Max Fun Drive Uh-oh. meetup. It's true. Uh, and I, at one point in the night, when Dan's waiting for his Uber, I said, Hey, Dan, I'll see you tomorrow, because we're recording. And Dan looks at me and he goes, What? <laughs> and his eyes bugged out like large marks. Yeah, yeah. That, an accurate yeah. depiction of what happened. Now, Dan, does this mean you're revoking your anti-Studio Ghibli joke rule because you're so slow and I can still finally do my My Neighbor Toblerone one act? <laughs> <laughs> it's a whole one act? I've expanded it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, wow. If you would let me release these jokes one at a time over 100 episodes, it'd be different. But now I have a 40-minute one act play. All right. 
I'm now I'm trying to think of other Studio Ghibli things, but I actually don't like Studio Ghibli that much. I can't think of other titles. Wow. Wow. Okay. I know. Uh, I so you send hate- all your hate mail to us, everybody in the world. I guess you hate beauty and elegance. Is it about World War II, Dan? He doesn't let like- it go. That was a long time ago. Dan doesn't like the concept of flight. <laughs> <laughs> I can't justify my dislike. I just know what I feel. And there goes my my other one act, Princess Mononokia. It's there the whole thing go. if it was about cell phones. <laughs> uh, but, uh, so they come. So he bumps into this actress, Keira Knightley, and she impresses him with one her attractiveness and mm-hmm. two an idea she has for an ad and making their ad slogan better. But then, which adver- male advertising executives love to hear they from love women? It when younger women tell them <laughs> how to improve their work. Uh, they're very open to ideas from women and very open to ideas from other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she then flees, and he follows her mm-hmm. to a little theater where she is rehearsing a play that, frankly, seems kind of pretentious uh, with two other actors, yeah, Helen Mirren and another actor whose name it, I don't know. It remember. seems like this is supposed to be an original piece, this play that they're producing, but it's all written in <coughs> sort of Shakespearean dialect. So I'm kind of confused by... Why this modern play is I mean, sounds the way possible. it is. It's possible. It's an existing play, and we just didn't recognize it. Or maybe it's written that way I as like a goof dude. Yeah, go, a, do, a goof dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's Stuart's new character that he plays after the Hustle and Hoosier. Yeah, goof, goof dude. dude. He's like a cool version of Goofy. <laughs> Put him on fucking t-shirts and give me a million dollars. The Looney Tunes had their time in the sun wearing totally cool, uh, you know, like wrap clothes on shirts. Time yep. for Goofy's slot. Put some wraparound shades on Goofy. I don't know. Give him a cigarette to smoke because he doesn't give a shit. <laughs> so, Goof dude. So they he finds these three actors and they come up with a plan. So he walks oh, in and he sees even- them rehearsing for like a second. And he's like, oh, my God, that was amazing. And I have seen a lot of theater. And he does say that. Now, oh, with here's some things that we didn't mention. One, what the private I did discover about William Smith is that he has been writing letters to love, time, and death and just mailing them, which is, one, a waste of a stamp. That's a yeah. fifty in postage he just wasted because he doesn't even write an address. He just writes love, time, or death, stamps it. Puts it in a mailbox, doesn't put his return address mm-hmm. on it. So some mailman has been wandering the eternal abstract cosmos <laughs> or the platonic sure. realm trying uh-huh. to find these concepts. Yep. And he's like, I guess I'll ask the endless yeah, if they can show me where to trap. I yeah. mean, I'll find death there. And I guess they, t- destiny could be controlling time. And I don't know about love, delirium, maybe. And then they bring in bags of mail to the courtroom and they go, thousands of letters, all for death. <laughs> <laughs> and this chattering skeleton who has been telling people he's death at a department store. You're free to go, Grimmy. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so he's been writing letters to entities. It's called Tragedy on 34th Street. <laughs> uh, he's been writing letters to these entities, and we learn that each of these people also has a thing going on with them. Ed Norton, he's having trouble <clears throat> connecting with his daughter. His daughter is still mad at him. For cheating on her mom and causing a divorce. And she's like, keeps bringing it up. She's like, yeah, can I, I smell she... your dick? <laughs> I haven't heard that song in a long time. That's an actual song? Mm-hmm. You never heard that I, song? Yeah, by Risque. I think that was before your time that it was a Daily Show Office favorite, and we would listen to it a lot. Okay. Yeah, Why yeah. are you coming home? 
five in the morning. Something's going on. Can I smell your dick? And it's because <laughs> I'm, you know, I mean, you you added a syllable to yo, but that's okay. You're pretty close. <laughs> Look, I'm trying to. <laughs> <laughs> You're trying to make sure that Dan understands I want by to... enunciating more than the original song. <laughs> Look, I know there's a cultural barrier here between Dan and. All of culture. So, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, you know, that was one we used to listen to a lot. So she, she yeah, she's Let suspicious. Let me explain the song to you. She's <laughs> okay. suspicious that her husband is cheating on her. Mm-hmm. And the only way. She's been hearing stories. Yeah. The only way to figure this out is the aforementioned dick smelling. Now, does sex smell? I've never had any, so. Uh, well, according to the song Sex and Candy, it smells, and even the scent of candy can't cover it up. No, no. Mm-hmm. Now, what does candy smell like? And I don't mean John Candy. I can pretty much guess what he smells like now, which is a decomposing horse. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. But what does regular candy sound like? Sound does, like? Yeah, what does it, it sound like? like? This. Crinkle, crinkle. What does crinkle, it smell crinkle. like? Uh, well, what kind of candy are we talking here? Are we talking a hard candy? A soft candy? I don't know what a soft candy is. <laughs> I guess like a fruit roll-up? Like a marshmallow? I I, that's a, uh, is that Elliot, a candy? <laughs> Elliot, is I don't think, is actually candy? expecting an answer. He's just trying to hold up a mirror towards society. These are all Zen Coens. <laughs> oh, I don't expect I One, I don't expect an answer. It's a way to and two, clear, Jewish. clear Zen my head. <laughs> Zen Cohen is the son of Jewish hippies. <laughs> so that reminds me of, I've been, meet, I've been trying to think if, if this is racist for me to do a Twitter joke about this. There's an ad in the summer. All right, by all means. Might as well work it out here. I'll just workshop it here in front of the thousands of people uh, there's an ad in the new york subways right now there are ads for the second avenue subway line which just opened up why the subway feels the need to advertise another part of the subway is confusing to me yeah it's like drinking a can of coke and at the bottom of that can of coke there's a like <laughs> why not drink coke sticker and you're like why don't i drink coke <laughs> well it's like there was this somebody who had a i think it was mark maron years ago who had an it was maybe it was somebody else who had a joke about why the post office advertises like there's no other competitors you're gonna like you're gonna if you may if you just tape pennies to a to an envelope they're not gonna get there you have to go to the post office and buy stamps this was of course before stamps.com this was years ago mm-hmm. yeah. but anyway uh but it always it's weird to me but there's an ad that shows it's all these different people whose businesses and things are now easier to get to because of the second avenue subway mm-hmm. line and uh, for those outside of New York, this is a subway line that's been like talked about. Like a bunch of fucking grandmas? Like, who is well, it? Yeah, kind of, yeah. And there's, Like and Sloan one, Kettering? And uh, one, one of the ads is a Zen master from a Zen temple, Zen Buddhist temple. And the quote is something like, this, the opening of the subway is, really ends a lot of anxieties we had about <sighs> the opening of the subway. And it's like, dude... If you're really anxious about when the subway's going to open, maybe you're not the Zen master I should be going to. You need to physician heal thyself, buddy. Whoa, you took him down a couple notches. But I don't so wait, to... is that the racist thing? Yeah, I don't know if that's culturally insensitive or not. I don't think so. Do you, Stuart, you're a Zen master. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, what are we talking about? Anyway, let's go back Collateral to the movie, beauty. shall we? Collateral beauty. So, uh, he's, so he's been writing letters to love, death, and time, and each of his partners have an issue that's related to the same. Ed Norton is having trouble re-winning back the love of his daughter. Yep. Kate Winslet is worried she's too old to have a baby. She's running out of time. And Michael Pena has cancer that he hasn't told anyone else about. He's dying. About 20 minutes into the movie, he lets out a cough, and we're like, that dude's dying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like any time a woman gets sick in a movie or TV show, and you're like, I guess she's pregnant. What's she going to do with that baby? Well, I mean, yeah. they all had like the most obvious uh, 
uh, scenes setting up what their wants and desires were. Like they might as well have had signs on them during these scenes being like, mm-hmm. this is my goal. This is my screenwriter's goal where like the first one where Ed Norton is talking to his daughter outside the uh, downstairs. He's, at he's his, in a lobby inside. Yeah. Sorry. I believe probably the screenplay is an interior high rise lobby. Yeah. Day. <laughs> And she doesn't want to come with him over Christmas, and they have a big conversation about that. Very clear what he wants. Then we have a scene out of nowhere where Kate Winslet is looking at artificial insemination on the on her work computer, on her computer. in an office in the middle of the floor that has glass walls. Everyone in the office knows that she wants it, that she needs a baby in her tummy. Yeah, she needs a baby <laughs> in her tummy. And it's you, like the, it's like guys that'll go to the library and look at porn, and you're like. Really? I'd say they're not exactly the same situation. One of them is a little bit more acceptable. Pictures of babies are porn to some people. <laughs> uh, yeah, horrible people. Like monsters. Yeah, you're right. That was and, that was insensitive. And then there's the aforementioned obvious cough, which, as Stuart said, uh, is just secondary to like someone throwing up in a movie indicating that they're pregnant. As yeah. like the most obvious signifier in a film, <laughs> it reminds me of the one of the most horrifying things I've ever seen in a movie. In uh, what about ten minutes into Synecdoche, New York, when Philip Seymour Hoffman <laughs> is peeing into a sink or something, and it he pees out blood, and you're like, "This is the worst thing I've ever seen." I hope you don't ever what pee a, out blood. What as a horror movie! As somebody who's had blood come out in their pee, it's not. What, it's, were you passing stones? I was passing stones. Oh, yeah. Okay, it was this uh, the second time you weren't you weren't like attacked by passing a DVD of no 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 a werewolf got into my penis and was just ripping it up like in inner space (laughs) yeah so I don't know why the government shrunk a werewolf put him in a capsule and then injected him into my body. It you didn't know, help sometimes me. Sometimes you do it just to see what happens. You know, oh, it was like a, it was like one of them experiments the CIA pulls where they're just pouring radiation into a town's water supply. To I see mean, what there's happens. two types of science, Elliot. There's science with a goal, and there's science just to explore the I universe. I thought you were going to say there's normal science and there's weird science. <laughs> there's normal science. <laughs> this is very much of the weird variety. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, it was performed by guys with bras on their heads. <laughs> okay, I, now, did they ever get I to... I feel like if we were going to do a remake of weird... Uh, weird no, that'd be crazy. Of <laughs> Inner Space... Uh, you could. Uh, I'm you, less excited. You would certainly be the the lead in the uh, in the Martin Short role. I'm of course. Uh, you know what's his name? Dennis Quaid. Robert Dennis Quaid. Picardo. I'd be great. You could be Robert. <laughs> oh, damn. Now, uh, and you make you raise a good point. If we did do a remake of Weird Science, you better believe we're not doing the sequence where they go to that that blues bar. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they all smoke happening. pot and they're. Yeah, he talks in jive language. Yeah, but here's the thing. Do you think Wyatt and what was the other guy's name? Uh, uh, Andrew was that it? No, <laughs> Andrew Wyeth. Andrew Wyeth. Andrew Wyeth, famous <laughs> painter. Uh, do you ever think that those two guys got to write up their experiment for the Journal of Weird Science? Because they got to <laughs> peer review that stuff. Someone yeah, has to replicate yeah. those results, or else it can't be considered actual. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Actual factual. Now, okay. Let's get back to the movie. So everyone has their deal. They decide they're going to hire these three actors uh-huh. to portray love, death, and time and Ugh. kind of ambush Will Smith so that they can – at first it seems like they're doing it for therapeutic reasons, but then it's so that they can just make him look crazy. Yeah. The ultimate plan is to provoke him to such an extent that he yells at them and then – They'll have video of it secretly taped, and they'll digitally remove the actors. So it looks like Will Smith's just losing it in the streets at nobody. Now let's just <laughs> losing it. Reiterate this because <laughs> As in the film losing it <laughs> because this is the dumbest thing in the world. Let's just reiterate it. So make it clear. Make sure the audience gets it. They're hiring three actors 
again to pretend that they're death, time, and love to gaslight gaslight Will Smith. Yeah. And uh, they go to a a huge amount of unnecessary effort to explain what gaslighting is. Oh, no, they don't even explain what gaslighting is. She uh, Helen Mirren Helen Mirren uses the term gaslight, yeah. and the other characters don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that term has become such a common term, even in political discussions. Uh-huh. That like they would just you know those guys all read liberal blogs all day. They live in New York. They're rich. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I reach for the arts and leisure section first <laughs> of the blogs. I look for, yeah. I look for the funnies. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see. Yeah, I want to see what Slylock Fox is up to. And I go straight to the obituaries. <laughs> what's on the? What's for dinner tonight? <laughs> Wait, am I a ghoul? Yep. <laughs> uh, so they do this, and their actors go and confront Will Smith and say very pseudo profound things. Uh-huh. But they also help each of the other people deal with their personal problems in stupid pseudo. Yeah, they're all matched ways. up perfectly. Meanwhile, uh, yeah, each one of the people is coaching or is the liaison, I guess, for the actor that is portraying the thing that is their problem. Uh-huh. And I almost wish there was a scene where they divided it up deliberately that way because it's so on the nose that Kate Winslet was like, okay, well, I feel like I'm running out of time, so I'll take time. And Michael Pena, you're dying even though you haven't told us about it, so you take mm-hmm. death. And clearly you have issues with your daughter, Ed Norton's. And they all call each other by their actor, by their real names, too. <laughs> Not their really character names. we got to convince Will, everyone that Will Smith is crazy. I mean, acting crazy. is about strong choices, so I think that that's a really bold choice. <laughs> <laughs> to, to ignore the character names. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Meanwhile, Will Smith seems to be finding a much healthier outlet for his grief, which is a support group for parents who have lost children. He's mm-hmm. been grieving over his the loss of his daughter, and these other people are – and there's a great scene where – I mean not great, but a kind of weird scene where this woman gives a long monologue about the death of her son – Mm-hmm. And when she realized that her young son knew he was not going to survive. And then when she finishes and she's crying, Will Smith walks in and the woman running the support group immediately turns to Will Smith and starts asking him to introduce himself and talk to him. And he doesn't want to talk and he sits down and then she turns to the woman who's been crying and is like, well, thank you for sharing that with us. And it's like, <laughs> how insensitive was that? Yeah. And what a sign of the double standard of society. This woman is clearly in pain. Yeah, it's this like super intense in, scene of like uh, the camera like hugging this woman's face as she's crying and telling a terrible story. And then it's immediately undercut by like, oh, forget about you. You're a nobody. Like, Will Smith is a somebody. The star of Hitch just walked in. <laughs> Hello. Uh, the millennium has begun. Mm-hmm. Sorry for your loss, lady. You, the exit's over there. <laughs> Let's talk about Men in Black 3. Yeah, one of the Galaxy Defenders came in. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he won't let you remember I about your dead son. No, uh, sit down and tell us all about how your life got flipped, turned upside down. Uh, if you could take a minute, just sit right there. Tell us all about the death of your young daughter. <laughs> um, he starts to build a relationship with this the woman who runs the support group. They seem played to be by having, Academy Award nominee Naomi Harris, who is much better in the movie she was nominated for an Academy Award for, but. She's given yeah, I mean, a lot more to do there. Much yeah, she's a lot, more, a lot more crack to be uh, addicted to. <laughs> That's I mean, technically how do we, correct. Yeah, I mean, how do you, we don't know how much crack she could be addicted to in this That's movie. That's true. She could That's be a very true. functional crack addict, like yeah. in Half Nelson. <laughs> I mean, he's not that functional. <laughs> he can do his day job. And, I mean, he's pretty good looking. <laughs> oh, for sure, yeah. Uh, so she, they, they, it's, it's her that gives Will Smith the idea of collateral beauty. And it is one of many speeches in the movie that sounds like it means a lot. And I'm sure it Uh meant a lot to whoever was writing them. But to you, the audience, it's like, 
these are just gossamer threads of smoke. And every time I try to grasp onto them and understand what they're meaning, it just dis- it slips through my fingers. I can't figure it out. It's like a rope made out of sand. And when you say the audience, you mean like the uh, movie critics who were forced to see the movie and nobody else because nobody went to see this movie. <laughs> uh, according to Wikipedia, this movie outdid its budget. Really? Quite a bit. Had a budget in the 30s of millions and made 80s of millions worldwide. Really? Yeah. People love that Ed Norton. Yeah, he's probably the biggest star in the, the movie. Draw. He's the big draw, is Ed <laughs> Norton. People are like, oh, I mean, he never really reached the full potential that he showed in Primal Fear, but I guess I'll keep watching his movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so the movie continues for a while, and then I mean, stuff happens. I mean, not much happens. more. Not like, that much happens except everyone has their epiphanies about their lives. and They confront him with the... Doctored uh, video. Doctored videos, and he signs away stuff, and then at the same time he drops a little bit of info about each of his three partners... Various problems. And he shows them, maybe he's so not mentally incompetent that he's identified their problems and tells them what they need to do. Uh, But again, he does it in a way that isn't really that concretely helpful for them. Mm -hmm. Uh, They pay the actors. In case you're wondering, this is the point in the movie where I was dozing off and jerking my head back up to say, as if to say, shit, I have a podcast that I do. I should really be paying attention to this thing. Mm -hmm. I was checking my phone. So and, and so, but we're getting to the two big twists of the movie. Uh-huh. Uh huh. KK, you want to tell them what the twists are? She keeps KK. walking. K- she's not. Paying Apparently, attention. KK also stands for cat call. <laughs> <laughs> um, if it was super cool, yeah. Uh, but it's not. Cat calling's not cool unless you are literally calling for a lost cat and you go meow buttons meow. Buttons, come here, boy. Buttons. I'm glad that you're girl. saying in both languages. <laughs> we know. <laughs> maybe the baby buttons only knows a little bit of English, but everyone yeah, speaks yeah. cat because mm-hmm. everybody wants to be a cat. The Aristocats. Anyway, so they. <laughs> I'm just trying to shake Dan out of his torpor. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, so here are the two twists. Twist. Everyone's happy again, kind of. They've come to peace with things. Michael Pena tells his wife he's dying. She knew already. Everybody did. Yeah, he was fucking ralphing all the time. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> uh, but first twist. Uh, Will Smith goes to the home of the head of the support group. Turns out, because she lost a daughter too. She he t- walks into the, he ruins her Christmas Eve by coming to her apartment. And we're like, wow, she's got a really nice place. She's got a great house. And it's the sort of thing like... I've been thinking about people's apartments and homes on TV and movies a lot lately. I was watching uh, Big Little Lies, the HBO show, which Uh has a bunch of very nice Monterey homes. And then you finally see the one poor character's house. And I was like, wow, that's a nice place. It's uh, That's a stern rebuke to the quality of housing in uh, Brooklyn, I guess. In real life. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But he goes to her house and and she tells him about she lost her daughter to a rare brain cancer. Uh-huh. And then she starts playing, like, I forget, does he play the video or does she play the video? He has video the of video him. The video is on, I think. Oh, in her house, in of her house. him and a little girl. Mm-hmm. And he tell, she says, tell me about your daughter. His daughter had the same name and died of the same thing. You, you're thinking, this is the most amazing coincidence. This is bad screenwriting, that their lives are so similar. But it turns out, it was his wife all along. They'd become estranged after the death of their daughter, and he started go. He had been haunting this support group because he didn't know how to communicate yeah. with her anymore. And the only but way now, they could do it was to pretend that they were strangers. Much as many 
married couples do. Oh, I they'll fucking go to just a, got that. They'll go to a motel or, or they go to a hotel bar yeah, yeah, and yeah. pretend to be different people. And yeah, yeah, and they're like, excuse me. kids are dead. <laughs> do you, do you like spark. pina coladas and having a dead child? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it really spices up the marriage if you pretend you're in an extreme stage of grief. <laughs> oh, man. And you're strangers. Yeah. Uh, that they have just pretended to be strangers and they come back together and they're crying. And I have to assume then that the sex they had that night was amazing because they're both, <laughs> yeah. because it's yeah, both. Yeah, they were edging for <laughs> years. It's both the sex of strangers who have found that they have a lot in common Ugh. and they're kind of, they did, they never felt this one before. And the sex of a couple that knows each other's bodies extremely well and knows exactly what pleasure buttons to push. So I guess that's kind of the best sex you can have, I right? I don't like hearing about <laughs> it. I don't like your understanding of sex. <laughs> it bothers me. I don't uh, like to think of you as a sexual being. It's like seeing a doctor. I have a clip. child. <laughs> I know. You know I had sex at least once. Yeah, but you don't. I don't look at your child and think, oh, they fucked to get that. That's I not- do every day, and it's hot. <laughs> oh, gross. <laughs> I mean, it's not hot. Looking at him doesn't is not hot. I'm not turned on yeah, by Yeah, you're not child. like, oh, your curly hairs remind me of the curly tail of the sperms that shot out of my weenus. <laughs> I, well, I hope the tails are not that curly. Like, sperms should have pretty straight tails. No, but they use the tail to, like, go real fast. They, yeah, they go. <laughs> yeah, like, they a, go. like a propeller. Yeah, yeah, Dan like what Dan did. <laughs> <laughs> They're like little piggies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, the second twist, twist numero dos. Mm-hmm. And this maybe this is the reason that Edward Norton keeps striking out when he's trying to hit on <laughs> KK. Is uh, Will's, we see Will's, they, they've, the actors have helped everyone with their problems. The play has been, they were rehearsing has been called off. Will Smith and his now reunited wife, are walking through Central Park smiling. They're reunited and it feels so good. <laughs> Above them on a on a on a bridge, one mm-hmm. of the many beautiful bridges that Olmsted and Vox put into Central Park. Yep. Okay. The first park they ever designed. Uh-huh. And yet it's one of the greatest in the world. It's amazing. I guess it all goes down to their original theories of park design, yeah. which were not kind of the English box garden, very no. very man-made and artificially manicured. It's crazy. But instead, the idea of a more See, Stuart, natural This is the setting. art of suspense. Yeah. That Olmsted believed a, that you always wanted to be able to turn a corner and see a new vantage. Creating a desire yeah, to hear them. the end of this sentence. And so, so they're on a bridge watching down to them. Camera pan, look, cuts over to Will Smith and his wife, cuts back. Cat's eyes. <laughs> no, it turns out, and they've disappeared. And you're like, wait, what? Was that? Wait, hold on. Were they? Were they? So was that really love, time, and death that took time out of out of their busy schedules of running of the universe mm-hmm. to help the ad agency help their grieving friend to yep. get back together with his wife? And you're left to wonder. Don't they have better things to do? Yeah. I always see a movie like this, and I'm just like... You always see a movie like this? <laughs> I always you see should a watch movie. some other better movies. <laughs> I always see a movie like this, and I'm like... Always? <laughs> like, go watch... Like the movie like always. Movie. Yeah. Why don't... Why don't these magical figures ever intervene in my life? Like, apparently that's what they do. They just hey, like... Uh, it's a movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The same reason that you've, you've never met... Freddy in your dreams <laughs> and like you don't turn on your fucking radio and you're like a person from a frequency destiny or destiny or some shit <laughs> the, same, the same reason that you should stop being scared that you're going to be invited to the opening of a dino park and the dinos are going to get loose oh yeah no but it, 
It seems like if, by the way, you would totally get killed if you got invited to Jurassic Park. No offense, dude, but you're not like a little kid or the, you know, like the hero. You're certainly not yeah. knowledgeable about dinosaurs to the extent that, say, no. Dr. Alan Grant is. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I don't have the cool factor of a of a, uh, of of a, a Goldblum gold type. Bloom. Yeah. I'd be more of like a Newman type. <laughs> I'd be right. like, why is this dinosaur spitting acid in my eyes? I like to believe I'm the guy who says, hold on to your butts before a dinosaur kills me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Spoiler alert for Jurassic Park. <laughs> Samuel Jackson doesn't make it through the movie. No. He gets turned into one of the fakest fake ripped off arms you've ever seen in a movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Dan, these, the, yeah, you wonder, these forces never intervene in your life. Well, Maybe you're not rich enough. Yeah. Because in a lot of movies where destiny or or an angel intervenes, it's to show a rich person that they should, like, be with their family more. And poor people don't tend to get that much help from angels in the movies or just, from, from abstract concepts. I mean, we're, like, we're talking about people who have no... The only element of reality interceding in these people's lives is... I guess the is the mortality of their children and person, which in is the case a pretty of, big which thing, is terrifying. But like, there's other than that, they're just like you know wealthy Manhattan yeah. people. Yeah. I just figure that if like WMPs, yeah, if magical like cosmic enter- entities are going to personally interfere, like they're going to intervene in people's lives, then maybe we would I don't know hear about this more often. Uh, if they've got the time to go around doing this. Dan, uh, this brings me back to something I've talked about on the podcast that I call the uh, Teen Wolf Hypothesis. <laughs> right. Okay. Which is that, uh, or the, te- the Teen Wolf uh, Paradox, mm-hmm. yeah. which is that, uh, that's better. Not about your essay you sent into Weird Science Magazine. <laughs> yeah, the Journal of Weird Science, not published. Yeah. Uh, that uh, in a world in which a werewolf is playing basketball for a high school basketball team, uh-huh. this news would make it into papers beyond the local school paper. Yeah. That an openly werewolf basketball player, let's disregard the fact that this team got turned around from being one of the worst to one of the best because of one star player. That would attract scouts. That, yeah, that would attract least. national attention. Like LeBron was well known in high school, uh-huh. you know. He was he was already being scouted. Wow, have you been spending time with David lately? What's going on? <laughs> uh but the but tie on top of that the fact that he is a werewolf. Oh, not just proving one that werewolves are real, which uh-huh. is something that as we've all we all agreed well, to. We've, we've all wondered for years. For years, I mean, we've all agreed to the social fiction that there are no re- werewolves just to keep <laughs> society moving. But yeah, so this opens up two doors. One, two doors down, you might say. Mm-hmm. One, if werewolves are real, what about vampires? What about mummies? What about Gilmen? What about ghosts? What about Frankenstein monsters? Mm-hmm. What about Dibbicks, go- banshees, ghoulies, critters, munchies, gremlins, and I can't believe gremlins were the last of that list yeah. after munchies. <laughs> Number two, what? How do we not? What is it? Okay, something with the amazing morphology that it can grow hair overnight, and then I guess shed that hair and yep. teeth will lengthen, and then go back. Biologically, we don't have an explanation for that. DNA doesn't really cover it. So this werewolf would be the biggest story. Sorry, sorry, Trump being an agent of Russia. You're mm-hmm. going on second page because werewolves are real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. So anyway, uh, you make a good point, Dan. <laughs> we would have heard about <laughs> this you. at some point. So is it like when, when we were watching Crouching Tiger, Hidden da- Dragon together, and you're like, why am I never flying around like that? <laughs> And fallen in love. <laughs> I mean, you never answered that question for me, Stuart. I know. I was totally enraptured by the magic of the movie. How come I never get trapped in a Groundhog Day? <laughs> yeah. 
I would love to relive the same day over and over again until I get it right. I have uh, tickets, by the way, for the Broadway production of Groundhog Day. I got them Whoa. free. Got them free. Really? Yeah. I've got press tickets. Whoa. So next next time I'll report back on that. Please do. It'll be Flophouse in You're write, writing up the review for Variety or something? Yeah. <laughs> um, so here's the thing about this movie. Uh, I It was trying for very meaningful. Mm-hmm. It fails to that. It's instead very treacly. I have a question, but Stuart, you said it looked like you want to say something. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think the elephant in the room tonight, guys, mm-hmm. is a certain little, certain little cat burglar. Yeah, by the name of Seven Pounds. <laughs> <laughs> so he's a cat burglar, right? I thought that was his. I guess he's a thief. He in burgled. I mean, when I mean, when when Batman drops him off at Arkham Asylum and he fills out the paperwork, he certainly isn't. They don't. They well, the choice, the only options they give you on the form are. Cat burglar, murderous clown, <laughs> and uh, that covers Zaz and, uh, and murderers. That's uh, Zaz is not really a clown. I mean, he's but he's covered in like scars, right? That's Which pretty, is pretty funny. Funny. Okay, I get, I'll give you that. It's either cat burglar, murderous clown, or uh, alligator or, man. Yeah. Or alligator man, which is just the one dude, killer cop. I mean, Clayface can be an alligator man. Yeah, he could change into an alligator, true. And Penguin has a sharp nose. He's kind of yeah, an alligator. Yeah, I mean, and, uh, let's just say animal man. Who? Just say animal man, not animal man. Oh, that okay. Would, you can't animal say animal man, Buddy Baker, who's a hero. Why is he in Arkham? But animal <laughs> yeah. man. Yeah, animal people. Man- manimals. Manimals. So you could either be a cat burglar, a psychotic murderous clown, or a manimal. Mm-hmm. And they're like, we gotta make more bubbles on this form to fill out. Well, we'll add other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's how you can fit poison ivy on there. Yeah, That's where uh, Condiment King goes or whatever. Condiment King? Yeah. I mean, there's Clock King. No, there's also a condiment guy. There's no way. Yeah. Look, and he's the king? Look, I want listeners to prove me wrong on this. I don't remember a condiment-themed Batman <laughs> villain. What Dude, is relish, uh, relish is on there. Well, yeah, he relishes crime. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to catch up to the other villains. <laughs> He's using mustard gas. Uh, no, I think it was one of those joke uh, villains that was like a one-shot thing. I've read about him, though. Okay. I'm not familiar with him. I mean, Batman has a villain who's literally a ventriloquist dummy with a tiny gun. So I, so maybe he has a condiment-themed <laughs> villain. A, a character that Bruce Tim made terrifying. Yeah, that's true. Um, okay, so, but what I'm trying to say is that the previous Will Smith movie, Seven Pounds, had a similar, like, overly saccharine, overly, like, sentimental tone. Yeah. Uh, this was going to be the most important movie you ever saw. What's going on with our boy Will Smith? Why is he... Why is Will Smith doing this, guys? Yeah, I mean, we've seen Mr. Smith in, Go to Washington. Yeah. In a number of movies. Uh, After Earth, Seven Pounds... Something else. Yeah, name another. Uh, uh, the incredible Mr. Lippet. <laughs> uh, here's, I think he's, he's, he's just feels, like smothered his natural charm recently. Well, if he, and it feels like the sort of movie that would be made by somebody who is like kind of out of touch story. with Winter's yeah, Tale. Winter's Tale. Oh, he was actually really good. In yeah, that. As the devil in Winter's Tale. He was the best thing in it. Um, but like it feels like the kind of movie made by somebody who does not it has lost touch with what people are actually like. Yeah, there's a sense in of in it of yeah, famous people trying to connect to emotions that they 
like everyday things that they're not really are not necessarily a part of how they exist anymore. Yeah. And Will Smith exists in a very strange plane right now where he's he just thinks he seems to think and comprehend the universe in a different way than yeah. most people. Now I was reading uh, trivia, not to, not to bring the podcast about a <laughs> not movie to brag. about <laughs> not to brag, but I can I was read. reading trivia on, on the Internet Movie Database, and it was talking about how Will Smith was uh, dealing while he was making this movie. He was dealing also drugs. dealing with the the loss of his father, uh. um, which I guess on some on on some level I understand the idea of using uh, as an artist. He's using this as an, a way to like work through his his personal shit mm. and uh I guess that makes sense. I just wish the movie was better. Yeah. Yeah, I don't well we we can go into final judgments so oh, I'll I, say I had, one, I, I had one thing I wanted to say. Okay. Well, I can say it's part of my final judgment actually. So go ahead. Final Is this a good bad movie, a bad bad movie or a movie you actually liked? Uh I'm going to say it's a bad bad movie. It's it's placed in a real world context, but the uh, contrivances of it are so crazy that it only would have worked if you had created a heightened reality. And I don't feel like what I was going to say is like, I don't feel like it's the actor's fault for what's going on. I think by and large, they're all doing the best they can with what they're given. Mm-hmm. It's just a crazy fucking script that is maudlin and filled with stupid tricks. It's not odd enough to work for as kids. like a, I know. And this movie's not for kids. That's the thing. No, true. It's not odd enough for it to be like I feel like had this been a French movie, the like exoticism of uh like French cinema if might what's have What's his name who did Amelie did this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or if it was I could see if this was in French, Spanish or Italian. Yeah, it I would see it working better. Or like Japanese. The, the otherness of it would elevate it to uh, a different. Like it would feel divorced enough from our like everyday reality for it to seem like a like a bigger like a, a grand story. There are you know lines I mean? of dialogue in this that if they I was reading them in a subtitle, I think would affect me more than hearing them spoken in English because mm-hmm. I'd be like, people don't talk that way. Come on, that doesn't make any sense. That if I was reading them in a subtitle, I'd be like, mm, I don't know, maybe, I don't know. Here's, <laughs> sure. I would say this is a bad, bad movie. Uh, you know, trying its darndest. Uh, here's my question. Has there ever been a good movie with beauty in the title? I mean, uh, American Beauty was, didn't it win the best picture? What? come on. What does that mean? Okay, you're right. American There's, Beauty, it's not the worst movie in the world. That's true. I feel like that's a movie people have, have tarred more than they need to. It, it, it is certain people, audiences have soured on it. Yes. It's one of many movies that won Best Picture and then audiences disburned it immediately. Mm-hmm. Was Stealing Beauty any good or was it just that there were naked There's people nudity in it? In it. <laughs> uh, to be honest, haven't tried to watch it since I was 16 and was not interested in anything other than the I mean, number scenes. one of the box office oh, right Beauty now is Beast. Beauty and the Beast. Beauty okay, the there Beast. you go. Beauty and the Beast. Uh, I haven't seen the current version, but surely the Disney the, version the, and, and, and the French, Cocteau. The Cocteau version is, is wonderful. The, the current movie, which famously a moviegoer at the Alamo Draft House in New York City uh, asked a, another moviegoer, what's his dick like? <laughs> <laughs> famously. Where, where is there was an article in the New Yorker talking about it, and I guess uh, that that like a screenshot of that that New Yorker article was going around where like a, a woman was like, what's his dick like? <laughs> it was, it was, were they asking Belle? Like, how would anyone know? 
I mean, I, I don't know. I think at that point it's. <laughs> you got on that. What was that like? It's, it's, I mean, I think at that point it's like a brainstorming sesh. And she goes yeah. home and she just like puts it's a dildo a, on just, a rug to yeah. try to figure out what the sensation was Is like. Is it barb? <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I would hope not. Yeah. I would hope not, too. I think we can all hope that. Okay, so you answer my question, Beauty and the Beast. All right. There's a hard, I was having trouble thinking of a movie with beauty in the title that was not a movie I cared, I did not want to watch. Yeah. So, oh, Beautician and the Beast doesn't actually have <laughs> beauty in it. <laughs> so... No sponsors this week, but <laughs> we are unpopular. Uh, no, that's I'm, because uh, Max Fun Drive just ended, and we wanted to thank everyone who donated to Max Fun Drive this year. Yeah, the, well, the our show, like all the shows on the Maximum Fun Network, are almost exclusively listener supported, like yeah. predominantly listener supported. Though we have sponsors, they are a pittance compared to what we get from our listeners, which is what keeps us going. Um, Keeps so, my boy in Cheerios so I'd let, and, yeah. and underpants. <laughs> and Captain <laughs> Underpants books. And keeps uh, us he is in, not uh, reading those, thank you. <laughs> and keeps us uh, financially, emotionally supported. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the, that... In Keeps many, our genitals supported through in, Mac Weldon underwear. Yep. yep. In many ways, I mean, that's a sponsor thing, but... In and men- my hands, because I hold up dance <laughs> wiener and, and testes. All right, well, I was going to say something <laughs> sincere, but now I feel like I can't. In many ways, just as, even though the money is, often feels necessary to us and is a wonderful supplement to our day-to-day incomes and makes it a little easier for us to live and do the podcast, uh-huh. it is, in a in a larger sense, for me at least, Seeing that money coming in from from the pledge drive is such an emotional support because it shows us how much you, the listeners, care about what we're doing uh-huh. and want to support it and want to hear more about it and don't take it for granted. And that really means a lot to us. And so don't think we take you for granted in making those pledges. It really means a lot to us and we're thankful for it. And it was a, it was a very fun time. Obviously, I had a Excellent lot of fun, fun. Last, last last night based on my. Why are you winking at me right now? Demeanor dude? this morning. Did you guys sleep together last night? Well, I think it was on the table. <laughs> together is a strong word. I don't know what I mean by Dan, that. So you both slept in separate places. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean, that's a less strong. So word. that's every every night. Dan stormed off, and then uh, me and me and Mark Gagliardi from uh, We Got This uh, just did a just kept drinking and bullshitting about Dan leaving early. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Classic uh, bit. So Dan, did you have something nice to say, or do we just want to razz on you for leaving early? Yeah. Uh, I wasn't even there, and I'm still going to razz on Dan for leaving mm-hmm. early. Dan, uh, Elliot stayed up till four in the morning, and he wasn't even at the party. He no. just wanted to stay up to show he could do it because he's a big boy. <laughs> <laughs> who's going to tell me no? Nobody. That's who. I can eat cereal whenever I want. I'm going to have pizza for breakfast. Get out of here! And I'm going to have candy pizza for with dinner. Eggs on it. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. Dan, uh, explain yourself. No, I agree with everything that was said before. It's a great support. Um, we get a lot of support in the way of messages from listeners, which are also well uh, appreciated, telling us how much they love the show, how much it means to them, how it's helped them through a hard time. But money, too. But money Don't is the money. money, money, money makes the world go round. So the, uh, thank you for and, that. And the money goes also toward the, the Max Fun Network. The money and goes to the network. And being network. part of the Maximum Fun Network for us has been a wonderful experience. It's been a great community for us to be a part of, and it feels like we reached a, another level of podcasting 
I don't know, confidence and quality being sure. with uh, considering <laughs> the other this shows. Episode not was not as so much this one, but <laughs> considering the shows that we're brethren to now. Mm-hmm. So thank you very much for pledging. If you didn't pledge this year, then next year is coming around. And, and by the time you're listening to this, there's a chance that I will my fate will be sealed, that I will be uh boxed up and sent off to the Grand Canyon to ride a burrow out into the middle of nowhere uh, to what I have heard is one of the most beautiful places in uh, the United States to record a special podcast. And uh, one last note on this. I When this gets released, the Max Fun Drive will be officially over, but it'll be over by a day. I'm pretty sure that if you decided to get in Some a, stragglers might get a, in a last donation or, or two, you probably will be counted as part of the the Max Fun Drive, I would imagine. So try it. Yeah. <laughs> try it as an experiment. Yeah. See what happens. Uh, so if we've finished thanking the listeners and asking them to continue donating, I have a correction I'd like <clears throat> to make. All right. Is, is, and I'd like to, can we go to the back of the, uh, the beginning of the episode and apologize that we made uh, that we made jokes about a movie that the main point is a, a guy getting over the loss of a child? I mean, it's not. I feel it, like we should throw that out up front. It didn't really happen. It's a movie. I guess that's right. I mean, I speaking as a father, mm-hmm, which I can mm-hmm. do because I have a child. Ugh, it is, it. and you it's just sex. so, and it's just so wonderful. <laughs> it's just such a, it's just such a wonderful thing. You seem uh, really fulfilled. I mean, for in, having sex that one time. <laughs> that's all I needed. Uh, it is, it is the thing I fear the most, and uh-huh. it is something that it's one of those things where it's such a horrifying thought that you find your mind drawn to it in a way, in the way that. Something really terrible that you don't want to think about attracts your thinking, and then you worry that by thinking about it, you're making it more likely to happen. And even having that be a fear I live with every day, watching this movie, I was still like, come on, movie. And, like, I, I'm not going to name specific movies, but a couple of the Academy Award nominees for Best Picture this year that I thought were pretty good were deal- movies that dealt with the loss of a child on various stages – and it only sets this movie in stark relief about how how bad it is. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to watch a movie about loss of a child, this is not the one to do. There's a couple of movies from this year, or just go watch The Sweet Hereafter. How about that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a movie that kind of gets at similar things in a way, in a much, in a much deeper way. But, okay, I should save that for recommendations. I want to make a correction for something I said a couple episodes ago. Uh-huh. I referred to an unpublished Marvel story of mine. Oh, okay. uh, called Old Man Spider-Ham. And I erroneously misremembered the name of the artist uh-huh. who drew the book. It was not Scotty Young, as I said. It was Eric Canneet, okay, who was drawing in a very Scotty Young style. Okay. Because when uh, you said Scotty Young, my my eyeballs popped out of my head and I had to stuff them back into my head. <laughs> <laughs> but no, if Scotty Young had drawn it, they probably would have. They probably would have published it because he's what's what's the name of the artist again eric canny who's also a really good artist he's really great and he has a couple books out now great uh and maybe someday marvel see fit to print up that story now that spider ham is more relevant than ever (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. out on the heels of uh deadpool 2 going (laughs) to uh i would love it if they worked it out somehow for spider ham to appear in deadpool 2 that would be amazing who would do the voice of spider ham because of course he's a CGI character. Yeah. Oh no. You, yeah. You can't just hire an actual pig man to do it. No. Uh, they're uncommon. They're, yeah. They're difficult to find. And to find one that also has the acting chops, 
Unlikely. Yes. So who's going to do the voice of Spider-Ham, Dan? Uh, the late Gary Marshall. Late, that, okay, that well, seems... they're going to do it Peter Cushing style. Okay. And... I mean, there, it's already mean, a CGI getting... character. You don't need to do a recreation of Gary Marshall for a character that is a pig man, <laughs> which Gary Marshall was not one of. It leads me to believe you were not listening to what we were saying. Uh, that's a good question because it should not be too cartoony a voice. It's not like a rocket. It's not a rocket raccoon type character because mm-hmm. he's Peter Porker. He's a mild mannered pig who becomes Spider Ham. Exactly. But it should be a little cartoony. Uh huh. So I'm going to say. I don't know. Now, when you guys were watching Collateral Beauty tonight and they kept calling Will Smith's character Howard, were you ever thinking, is he Howard the Duck? (laughs) (laughs) I was not thinking that. And Dan's checking the Flophouse Recommends wiki, so he'll he'll answer later. So who would do the voice of Spider-Ham? I'm going to say grown-up Jonathan Lipnicki. Wow. I mean, you know, I think he's back to get, he's ready to get back in the spotlight. He's super buff these days, and I don't know what he sounds like, so it's a wild card. <laughs> oh, wow. I like it. Casting unheard. Uh, let's let's move on to letters from listeners. Okay. Uh, let's move on to letters. L-E-T. Let's. L-E-T. Letters. There are two words that both have L-E-T in them, and what does that stand for? L, strength of a lion. E, memory of an elephant. T, <laughs> strength of a termite. Proportionately stronger than a lion. Combine those two strengths and it's pretty strong. An elephant's memory, I've heard, is very strong. Let's do the other letters. T, greatness of mm-hmm. a tiger. Tony specifically. E, Richness of an emir (laughs) (laughs) rules a whole country, you see. And R stands, of course, for Roy Rogers. Roy Rogers. Fried chicken chain. Roast beef sandwiches. Hard to find unless you're on a highway in New Jersey. Letters. The S stands for you, Stuart. Can I lick your stamp? (laughs) Um, so this one is from Graham, last name withheld. Who Graham writes? Norton. Graham Cracker. Can you think of any films where the version you watched made a substantial difference to how much you enjoyed it? Speaking from my own experience and opinions, I could not understand the universal popularity of Blade Runner from the earlier cuts, which I felt, fat, uh, which I felt lacked coherency, but I enjoyed the final cut far more, despite being almost the same film. Having grown up on the longer... T-1000 edition of the of Terminator 2 made watching the theatrical version somewhat jarring, as scenes I thought were integral to the plot were absent altogether. The critically maligned Daredevil film is actually somewhat watchable in its R-rated form. And, most obscurely, the original Japanese version of The Adventures of Milo and Otis only shares about 60% of its footage with the later English version. They show a lot more of the stunt dogs being killed. <laughs> if you watch it, you'll see why 40% was changed for Western audiences. It's mostly It's them. all tea ceremony. <laughs> <laughs> so, what movies... It's we- mostly them bowing to each other in ever more elaborate ways to show respect. You must re- you must not receive a gift three times in a row, Otis, <laughs> before eventually accepting it. 
So what movies would you recommend one version <laughs> Milo of? Milo has to make a pilgrimage <laughs> to a specific shrine. Uh, what oh what, what movies would you recommend one version of but not the other? And what for I, Stuart, what was it like rewatching Castle Freak and not seeing a scene you remembered so vividly? Mm-hmm. Love your show. Keep on flopping. Yeah, does the imaginary version count as a version of that movie? Mm, first off, uh, I don't know. I mean, the version I saw must have been a little different than the version I saw originally. But I want to go back to Blade Runner. I'm going to tell you right I would now. Like to talk about that too. Right now, I'm going to tell you why the original version was popular and also your later version is popular because people don't give a shit about the narrative coherence of a movie that I don't actually think is very coherent at all. Uh, it's, I don't think it's a particularly great movie. The reason why people it a- like it and the reason why I will still say it's all right is because it's a beautiful it movie. It looks great. <laughs> it's a beautiful movie that has a great score. Like, Here's what I'm going to say, and this is going to be controversial. Blade Runner is... You're going to ruffle a few feathers. I'm going to ruffle a lot of feathers. Get your chickens out of the room unless you want their feathers ruffled the fuck up. Okay. Chicken? Okay, they're okay, out, give you they're time out of here. Move the chickens out. Okay. Blade Runner is the the hunger of science fiction movies. Uh, it is a style... scene. No, it's a stylistic <laughs> feast where the plot does not really make any sense and that is why I like the original theatrical cut with the voiceover on it more than the director's cut. Because wow. at least you have Harrison Ford telling you what the hell is going on in the movie. Mm-hmm. Even even though it's leaden and it's just describing things. Without that, I grew up with the only the director's cut of the movie. And it was a long time before I saw the theatrical cut. And I read all the stuff about how terrible the theatrical cut was, how bad the voiceover was. When I finally saw it, I was like, oh, I know what's happening from scene to scene in this movie now. Now I know why the studio put this voiceover on it, but it looks beautiful. Yeah. Uh, a movie, I'll say, the versions are very different. Uh-huh. Growing up with Godzilla, King of the Monsters, mm. and then finally as an adult, when it was released in theaters briefly again, the original Gojira, which is a very different movie. One is a kind of, one is a monster movie, and the other is about the horror of a city under massive attack by a force it can't stop, and... Losing Raymond Burr, just kind of looking out of windows and kind of like sleepily talking about what he was seeing, really improved the movie. It's a very different movie. Uh, I remember... Which is not to say that I didn't grow up loving Godzilla, King of the Monsters. No one would ever accuse you of that, Ellie. Okay, good. Thank you. The first time I saw Aliens, and I think this is the version that I taped off of television and had for many years. Mm Mm-hmm. It was the director's <laughs> a VHS cut. that said sports on it. <laughs> <laughs> it was the director's cut that included uh, a lot of scenes. The stuff about her daughter? Yeah. Well, the, the scenes that it had that, all right, first it had a scene that's unnecessary, which was the. That you dance see party the, at the end? You see the colonists on. Like, what is it, LU-486 or something like that? No, LU-486. You see the columnist. (laughs) You see Hedda Hedda Hopper and Luella Parsons. (laughs) Trying to get an interview with this xenomorph. (laughs) Rumors going around that this xenomorph might be gay. Let's blow the lid off this thing. The studios are trying to cover it up. Uh, no, uh, the colonists (laughs) were, you see them. Mr. and Mrs. America and all the spaceships at sea. Uh, getting attacked, and we don't need to see that. It's good. It's better not to know what happened to the colonists, even though you know what happened to the colonists. Yeah, the movie's called Aliens. Uh, <laughs> but it's, yeah. it's better not it's to not see that. Turn out You're like, oh, do they just give up on their dreams of founding <laughs> a new colony? <laughs> I guess it was climate change. <laughs> it's better for the movie not to start that way, though. You want to wait on on the mystery of what You want to edge you a little bit. Yeah. But there are two scenes that I think 
make the movie a lot better. And one is the one where she sees that Ripley sees that her daughter has died during the time that she was in hypersleep, uh, which adds, you know, a little backstory, emotional backstory to why she's so attached to Newt. And two, there's because a, Newt's a precocious, cool old kid. Yeah. yeah. Who says like they mostly come out of She's night, like an audience mostly. surrogate. Mm-hmm. Go on. <laughs> uh, affirmative. Uh, and there's yeah, bug the hunt man game over. Yeah. I'm in the pipe five by five. There's <laughs> there's a scene where they set up automated guns to uh, the the aliens are coming down the corridors at them and they set up these automated guns that are slowly going down. And you see the countdown of the, their ammunition slowly going out and uh, and you don't know what's going to happen. And I won't spoil it for people who haven't seen aliens, but it's a very tense scene and it's one that I miss very much when I see the theatrical version. Yeah, I mean, Aliens is a great movie. Yeah. It is. <clears throat> so, let's see. Uh, the extended versions of Lord of the Rings, uh, obviously, I prefer the extended versions. I think the extended version of Return of the King, and maybe, I feel like that's the only one where it's a toss-up between the theatrical or the extended version. But the, the, the extended version of Fellowship of the Ring and Two Towers, I think, are essential. That's the preferred version. Uh, I would say the the TV Comedy Central edit of Coming to America is hilarious, <laughs> if only for all the swapping of uh, fuck you to forget you. Uh, that's hilarious. That's I was going to say uh, about the version of Ferris Bueller's Day Off that we had on tape as a kid was off TV. And there was a lot of there was a few moments of that. Where it's like if you I'm not saying Cameron is uptight. But if you took a, a piece of coal and shoved it in his fist, <laughs> in two weeks you'd have a diamond. Mm-hmm. And of course, it took me. It was a long time before I learned that the line was up his ass. And I was, and I was, I was like, wow, well, come when he says in his fist, his voice sounds totally different. <laughs> like he's in a different room, even. I remember in, I remember in college, I a buddy of mine had a VHS tape of uh, the Peter Jackson movie Bad Taste, and he's like, oh, you got to watch this. It's from the guy who made Dead Alive, and I had seen Dead Alive. Previously, but I had seen the R-rated version. Oh, yeah. And first off, it's like fucking like 64 minutes long. It's super (laughs) short. And they just edited all the awesome gore out. And I'm like, this movie is dog shit. So that didn't. uh, And then I ended up having to track down and finding the the unrated version, which is amazing. And it's super great. So and is one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah, definitely only see the unrated version of Dead Alive. That's a good one. Mm hmm. Uh, should I move on? Sure. Uh, this is from, let me look, Joseph, last name withheld. Gordon Levitt. Who oh, says, wow. Dear, wow, dear Messrs. House to Flop, <laughs> your biggest gay-ass fan again. Hey, recently I noticed. So, uh, yes, sorry. <laughs> recently I noticed Elliot using yet again a descriptive term that subjectively, personally, in my head is particularly grating. He described a character's development in the film as their journey. He's also used this odd therapeutic epithet to describe plot as well. Now, I find Elliot as cute and cuddly and as wonderful as I find Dan sturdy and as well extant or as hot as Stuella DeVille. But this word is loathsomely overused in general, but particularly as applied to movies. I only prefer it to be applied to reality shows. (laughs) (laughs) This made me realize that... There are many such filler words regularly used by critics I and would, reviewers. I would call journey to be a totally apt word. But uh, continue. Some good, some not so good, which I find corny in the sense of being lame. Some of these include visceral, balletic, 
tactile, and the dread academia, academica is academicized. Sorry, filmic. Are there? Balletic is definitely when it's referred to when it's referring to violence, violence. or something. Because yeah. I, I'm always like, have these guys seen a ballet? But they all. Uh, really- I saw Equilibrium, dude. <laughs> <laughs> That's a ballet, right? Because all they're really saying is that this violence was well choreographed, <laughs> but it's not really balletic. I saw that scene in Boondock Saints where, uh, oh, where Willem Dafoe is flipping out. Yeah. Oh, that movie sucks. Um, what end it? And then I've I've got uh, I've, I've got an answer for. Are it. there any the of these grayish shorthand words that you dislike? The male gaze, fetishization. I suspect Stuella has a high disdain for Hustler's old Peter meter. Joseph's last name withheld. That's <laughs> yep, kind of thrown in there. The overused end. a bit. <laughs> Over, I mean, it's really only used by the one guy. But uh, I do like uh, any time a movie has any element of synthesizer in the score and or uh, neon in the movie, it's going to get lurid in the uh, oh, review yeah. somewhere. If there's anything through Venetian blinds, then yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here are the, the, here are the words that, in reviews, the term American classic uh-huh. bothers me. Because just called a classic, you're then saying that this movie says something uniquely true about America, which is rarely the case. Uh, I remember in the ads for Fight Club, they were always quoting Peter Travers as calling it an American classic, and that really bothered me. Um, in ads for movies visionary we've talked about this of course mm-hmm. anyone who comes a visionary i guess because they can see mm-hmm. and this is something i was complaining <laughs> about on the on the twitter not too long ago woefully miscast mm. i've never seen a movie where someone has i've seen movies where people are miscast never so miscast that i have felt woe <laughs> which is literally like edgar Allan poe level melancholy and sadness I, yeah, never yeah you haven't been watching a movie and you're like, oh no, a pox upon my house for yeah, this oh, casting. George Clooney shouldn't be playing Batman. Oh God, there is no God. Mm-hmm. I will guess I'll just live in a decaying manner. Yeah. <laughs> and worry that my sister was buried alive. <laughs> uh, I don't know that I have any of these, um, honestly. Like, there are ones that are specific to like certain reviewers, like I'm a. I Anything enjoy- Matt Singer says, I'm like fuck that. <laughs> that go asshole. back to go back to eating branded uh, fast food menus. <laughs> He's eating the menus. I mean, if if it gets close enough to his King Kong burger, it'll get eaten. <laughs> That's a. Uh, so Dan, what are some words you don't like? Well, I was saying that trust, I honesty, yeah, ups, forthrightness, affection, <laughs> love, time, death. And everything in between. If this movie had been made in the 90s yeah. and it was an indie film, it would have been called Love, Time, Death, and Everything in Between. Or like Love, Time, Death, and some other great flavors. Or some shitty, like, winky title like that. Mm-hmm. Everything in the 90s had to have shitty, winky titles. Yeah. <sighs> Love, Time, Death, and a Duffel Bag. Yeah, exactly. Love, Time, Death, and other, and other fun things to do. And, and other catastrophes. In, I'd be in yeah. Blockbuster Video and I'd be like, this looks good. <laughs> Mom, can I rent this? I'll try it. Uh, I didn't have anything good to say about this, so we should just move on. Cool, let's just move on. Okay. Um, let's get moving on. I think uh, I think we're only going to do three letters this night, so this will this will be our last one. Okay, the third act. Uh, the denouement. This one. That's French for last letter. This one is from Riley, middle name withheld Quinn, mm-hmm. who writes, "Hey, flop kings." 
When I was 80% asleep, I muttered something to my girlfriend and asked her to take it down so I could send it in to you guys as a letter. <laughs> what a, how lazy. <laughs> Why yourself? He's dating her from the movie Her. <laughs> oh, okay. Here follows her note. <laughs> Either help me make sense of it or let me resign myself to worshiping Nyorthur... N- or she. Or she crawling chaos. Right. Is it creeping chaos or crawling chaos? Crawling chaos. Crawling chaos. So, Although I don't know a way to worship him. He's really more of a servant of the elder yeah. gods. She sent a... Um, or he sent... He? He said girlfriend, right? Or she. Whoa, whoa, dude. Whoa, dude. Could be a lesbian, I don't said. Don't make that <laughs> assumption. Just say they. All right. That's acceptable now. Riley is just... Uh, Ace of spies. What did Riley say? Okay. Uh, yes, what did Riley say? <laughs> Riley sent a nice screenshot of it. Uh, Which shouldn't make it harder to read. I don't know why you're showing it to Allie and like, look at this stuff. Exhibit A. <laughs> the printed out letter. I got proof. <laughs> I'll enter this into evidence as Exhibit A. Um, Riley writes. <laughs> just, just tell us. Oh, my God. Oh, God. <laughs> Sound it out phonetically if you have to. <laughs> Blophouse letter. If you had said Riley tells us one more time, I think it would have left. <laughs> KK, I'll come with you. KK, yeah, I'll come with you. Blophouse letter dash Houses of Parliament dash Commons and Lords dash in a Slobs v. Snobs film with a cool teen made PM. Sewell convention. Speakers dais skateboard tricks. Challenge the flop guys to deus. come up with a name. That's the word deus. Yeah, deus. like rock me, I'm a deus. No. <laughs> uh, and so continue. Riley says. Challenge the flop guys to come up with a name. That was it. Oh, so, so okay. So it's a slobs versus snobs comedy where I guess the House of Commons and the House of Lords are in a fight. And they, and, and a. With a cool teen made PM, yeah. apparently. Makes sense. Okay. And there's a skateboard trick. Uh, speakers Deus skateboard tricks. Okay. Sewell convention is that Rufus Sewell? I'm I can only. Sure. He's got to be the bad guy. I mean, you sure? Maybe it's a misspelling of Zool convention, and there's a like a Ghostbusters angle to it. Or are you that saying be that a hell of a misspelling? <laughs> <laughs> May, I, look, they I've, sound alike, but they don't. They're not spelled alike. I've had at all. enough times when I've typed a word into my phone and it's thought it was some other cockamamie word I didn't want. Like cockamamie. Yeah. Type in cockamamie, and it thinks I want. Kaka Mamie Eisenhower. <laughs> this is not my Mamie Eisenhower erotic fan fiction. Uh, so, wow, that's a, that's a lot of pressure to come up with a good name on the spot, but that's pressure that we can handle because we're professionals. I think I'd call it London Thrashing. Oh, cool. To get the skateboard angle in there. I would say houses and lords and everything else. <laughs> <laughs> and Dan, what would you go with? Uh, Keep in mind, I'm now taking bringing down the houses off the table. <laughs> Extra oh, anarchy wow. in the UK. Okay, interesting. Oh, more than nice. the regular size. Yeah. When you need a little bit more anarchy, that's the one you get from behind the counter. Yeah. Um, Extra strength anarchy in the UK. Okay, so we did like a B-plus job on this, this yeah, assignment? I, that's... I'm giving, Generous. I'm giving us an A for trying. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, but yeah, if you have any notes that you've written yourself or had dictated at late at night and don't understand anymore, please send them to us. Send it to us. We'll come up with a title for them, I guess. <laughs> um, but uh, now we move on to our final segment of the evening or whenever you're listening to this podcast, and that is recommendations. Movies sure. that we like. Instead of collateral beauty, which I keep wanting to call collateral damage because that's a phrase and collateral beauty is not. 
Okay, Dan coming out uh, strongly against the phrase collateral beauty. <laughs> All right. I hope people listen to this episode I, long into the future take. and realize that like far into the future where collateral beauty is like a thing that everybody says. Yeah, yeah. And we'll seem totally, uh, totally divorced from. Yeah, exactly. Like that G.I. Joe retaliation episode where I was like, mm, there's no way the American people would uh, elect a man with <laughs> silly hair like Jonathan Price. And then people keep tweeting me about it. And every time I'm like, oh, I feel bad about saying that thing. And I feel worse about our the current state of our country. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's like that is to to say uh, before it happened that America would never elect like a bad person president, mm-hmm. I think is to- or supervillain. I think it's totally OK to have been to be like, you know what? I was wrong. I'm not going to feel bad about it. Like you that. guys are idiots because you didn't think the American people would hire uh, elect Cobra commander to be the commander in chief. Uh I don't commander know. experience. That's true. That's very hard to get to. Yeah. But that's um, the thing. That's why they wouldn't elect him is because they're suspicious of somebody with previous experience in being a commander. Like I mean, they he, want an outsider. He's establishment. Let's just say yeah. Cobra commander is establishment and they want an outsider like Globulus. <laughs> like Globulus. <laughs> Couldn't even say it with a straight face. <laughs> President Globulus, which is kind of what we have. But uh, anyway. That's where I got that name. <laughs> uh, so I was sitting here, you know, we've done. What this do we do now, Dan? For well, like you said already, recommendations. We've done this for nearly 10 years, this podcast. When's our anniversary? When's our 10 year anniversary? Keep in August. mind, I, I wasn't here for the originals. Well, me and Dan, our anniversary's in August. I don't know. When, when did we do I Know Who Killed Me? That was your first year. That right? would have yeah. been, I don't know, that was episode eight. So. I mean, you can check iTunes. I think it tells you when yeah. it came out. So we'll have to figure out if we want to do a 10th anniversary. We'll just do both. 10th anniversary of the show and then a mini 10th anniversary for when we, the original Peaches came together. Okay. Ironically, not as the original members of the show. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, maybe people could write Thanks in. Thanks for explaining the joke for me. <laughs> could write in, explain it with suggestions about how to celebrate 10 years of the Flophouse, which seems crazy now that I've just said that. Oh, yeah. God. Um, but I say that just to say that we've been doing recommendations that entire time, they uh-huh. were a fixture of the show from the very beginning, and I still forgot that I was supposed to come up with a movie <laughs> until halfway through the podcast tonight. I thought you were going to say that you that you had oh, run out. Oh, that's why you were so quiet, Dan. I thought it was because you were half asleep. I thought you were going to say that you had. You're like we've gone through a lot of movies, so it's hard to think of another one. And I was going to make fun of you, like, yeah, there's only been 240 movies in the history of <laughs> filmmaking. But no, that makes sense. You, uh, it's actually. I should make fun of you for forgetting the thing we do every episode for ten years, but it just makes me worry about you a little bit. <laughs> you didn't cough at all tonight, did you? Uh, I have been coughing a little bit. Uh-oh. Pregnant. Uh, <laughs> one thing I will say is doing this, doing the recommendation section of the podcast. At this point, it genuinely puts pressure on me to watch movies that aren't just the movie we watch for the flop. Oh, yes, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Well, that's what I was. I haven't seen a new movie since uh, we were last together. Certainly, uh, so like part of me was just like, "What if I just recommended a book?" And then I'm like, "No, that's cheating. We it, will make fun of you forever." But no. is it a book about movies? At least, no, it's not a book about movies. But it led me to a movie. Not 
permissible. It led me to a movie. Okay. Because I read the Yiddish Policeman's Union recently, okay. and I enjoyed it. Are you going to recommend Orson Welles' Heart of Darkness, which is mentioned in the book? That movie does not exist. <laughs> no. And I so was... one thing I want to ask Michael Chabon, anyone listening, if you have the chance to ask Michael Chabon a question, I want you to ask him for me. In the alternate universe where the Jews of Europe were resettled in Alaska— how did it also change whether Orson Welles made a movie of Heart of Darkness or he, not? I mean, he follows Hodgman on Instagram, so there's a decent chance Hodgman could ask him. John Hodgman, yeah. if you're listening. He's or, not. He's not. Uh, well, somebody <laughs> tell Hodgman this, because he's not speaking to me right now. That's not true. Maybe I'll ask him. But uh, it's, I've always been like, it's just an interesting kind of uh, the other difference of this alternate universe, because he was going to make a movie of Heart of Darkness, yeah. but it was going to be too expensive. So, okay. so, okay. so you're reading so, Yiddish Policeman's Union. No, I enjoyed it very much, but that led me to think... Of Police Academy 4. I should recommend a Michael Chabon movie, which okay. is Wonder Boys. Oh. Wonder Boys is about a film wonderful boys. that I enjoy very much. Um, it was not uh, it was not particularly lauded at, it, at its time of release. I mean, it wasn't... I mean, the critics it liked it okay. But critics liked it okay, but no one went and saw it. <laughs> Uh, and that's because it's the like, movie about a college professor and a, and a creative writing student who are having <laughs> issues that they help each other out with. That didn't was a huge hit. <laughs> that uh, didn't rock the box office for nineteen mm-hmm. whenever. It's sort of a melancholy comedy, but it's it's very funny uh, in spite of having this kind of also known as every comedy on cable or Amazon. All right. Well, apparently Elliot's not a fan of Wonder Boys. Oh no, it's fine. Just uh, this this new wave of melancholy comedies. Um, Sorry, I shouldn't interrupt so much. No, I don't have a whole lot to say other than it's a movie about a – Michael Douglas plays a college professor who's been trying to write a book for years and years and years. And uh, his protege um, in the movie – fuck, what, what's – who? Tommy McGuire. Tommy McGuire. Uh, Peter is, Parker? Yeah, I was Sea like, Biscuit? <laughs> he uh, is um, – He's a very talented uh, writer, and Michael Douglas realizes this. And um, Jesus, it's a complex plot, honestly, now that I'm thinking about it. It's almost like a screwball plot slowed down is what uh, Roger Ebert said about it. I think that's very accurate. So I'm not going to try and get into all of the ins and outs of it. It's just a beautifully shot film. There's just gorgeous... uh, stuff in it and i forget which i think it's in pittsburgh that it's set and they managed to make this like rundown factory town look magical uh and again it's got a great cast it's got francis mcdormand in it too and she's great along with uh michael douglas probably putting in his best performance i think so i recommend wonder boys if you like the works of michael chavon you should watch this film which captures it pretty well even though in the book uh, the professor is decidedly Jewish and not Michael Douglas. I mean, Michael Douglas is half Jewish. Is he? He's Kirk Douglas's son. Kirk Douglas is Jewish. All right. Well, he doesn't. He I, certainly doesn't come off as Jewish in anything in he does. Anyway, what about I mean, he Wall might be, Street? He might be Jewish. I don't know who his mother is. Oh my God! I just remembered the movie we watched tonight is like a sad version of the game. <laughs> 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 That's hilarious. Dan, I'm going to look up and see if Michael Douglas is Jewish. So while Dan's uh, – well, Dan. <laughs> while Elliot's doing that, I'm going to recommend a handful of movies, I guess. So uh, A whole handful? 
So no, yeah, only his father is Jewish. Uh, Dan had mentioned an episode or two ago that he had seen Get Out, and I finally saw it, and I think it's great. You should totally go see it. Uh, it manages to be a successful uh, horror movie, like a schlocky horror movie. But at the same time, I think the uh, the political message it's uh, it's putting out there is well thought out and deepens the the horror moviness of it. Uh, and it's a movie where, as things are revealed. Uh, it actually becomes a more interesting movie as opposed to being demystified and less interesting, which is often the case with that kind of movie. Get Out, it's just a great, strong first feature for a director. So boo on Dan for not recommending it. So you're I, saying Get Out and see Get Out. Get Out and see Get Out. Before Dan can respond, I'm going to keep going. Uh, I'm also going to recommend... Uh, <laughs> La- uh, last time when we were doing the show, uh, John Hodgman was playing me off the stage, and I didn't get to bring up the <laughs> fact that the movie I was recommending, Manborg, which is great, has at the end a trailer for a fake movie called Biocop, which is amazing. Uh, and that's available on YouTube. So if you have any time at all, go on to YouTube and watch a five-minute trailer for a movie that doesn't exist called Biocop. You'll feel better about yourself. Go do that. I don't want to talk too much about it because I don't want to ruin it, so go see that, and then I'm going to recommend the movie I'm actually going to recommend. Although, actually, no, you know what? I'm just going to say Get Out is my recommendation. It's awesome. Wow. You should should go see that. It's got a a lot of great performances. Uh, Yeah, go see it. Save that other one for another time. Yeah, I'll just need it. Let me just open up my little pouch and put it back in there. (laughs) Your movie pouch. Mm Mm-hmm. And when you open it, it's like, movie pouch. Well, get back in there, Turner Classic movie. <laughs> What'd you say, Dan? I know, I, that sounds like his Turner Classic movie show, Stuart Wellington's movie pouch. Wouldn't, yeah. I, wouldn't that be great if I was able to trump Elliot's bid to be oh. a Turner Classic movie host okay. with Stuart's movie pouch? Movie sack. <laughs> I got a sack full of movies. My My request is very simple. Just put me on, like, do a little thing on Shudder where I introduce fucking movies. I'd gladly do that. Oh, that'd be great. Here's, okay, anyone who's listening to this, if you work at Turner Classic Movies, you know who somebody who works, works at Turner Classic Movies. I would, I, my, one of my career goals is to be a Turner Classic Movies movie host. Uh-huh. Hook me up with it. It's something that I, yeah, you'd I'm be pretty great sure at. I can do. Thank you. That's right, nice you say. And I would do it in a very respectable way. I'm not looking to slag any movies on there. I'd really like to do it. Uh, I'm more than willing to share an apartment with Bane Mankiewicz, if that's how it works. Because I assume he shared an apartment with Robert Osborne, and that's where they shoot all the intros in that apartment. I feel like if, uh, like, I think I think I'm pretty likely to get offered that gig, Elliot. And, you know, I'm just up front. I'm going to say, you'd be better at it than me. Like, <laughs> Even I'm really charming, and I'm really funny and everything, but <laughs> I think you'd be better at it than me. So just offer it to Elliot instead. I mean, Stuart's more handsome than me, so they're probably going to give it to Stuart. Yeah, that's true. I'm tall, and too. he's tall. He's kind of like a bad boy image. Uh-huh. And, you know, I can dance when I have to. <laughs> <laughs> Usually doesn't enter into it, but maybe. No, but if I had to. <laughs> if like, you had to, like if someone had to put a gun to your head? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it was the only way to save a, a, a bus full of people that's cr- falling off a cliff if you did Like, okay, I'm going to give you a hypothetical. We're on a planet, and Ronan the Accuser pops out, and he's got one of them Infinity Stones, and you're like, dude, I, and I dance and win the day. Okay. I'm kind of confused about how your dancing <laughs> wins the day. Like, is it a dance contest? You haven't seen Guardians of the Galaxy? That's what basically happens. I mean, what I remember from Guardians of the Galaxy is the unnecessary amount of swear words. 
<laughs> yeah. It was not necessarily called running the accuser a bitch. At the you end. were really, you, you were really mad because Danielle had her ear, hands over your ears so you didn't have to hear those swears. <laughs> I was like, oh, I want to hear the bad words. I am disappointed that Ronan the Accuser, who has become a kind of complex character in the comics, was made just a the regular Marvel movie two dimensional bad. I thought he was much. I thought he was much more interesting than that. But that's my mostly. I think Lee Pace did what he could. I, with I him. love the idea that that movie. The most of it seems like a happy go lucky, goofy space movie, and then all the scenes uh, on Ronan the Accuser's ship is like super like grim and gross. <laughs> like it seems like it's part of a completely different movie. And I love that about it. It's fair. Well, we'll see what happens with the second one since I'm hoping, well, we'll talk about it later. The storyline they're doing the second one as I hope one from the comics that I like. Anywho, I'm going to recommend a movie that I feel like was kind of trying to do the thing that this movie was trying to do and achieved it much more. And it's a movie from 1986 called Promise with James Garner and James Woods, which was technically a Hallmark Hall of Fame TV movie. Wow. Uh, but it's available on... <laughs> this is a real first for Elliot. <laughs> but it's available... I mean, I saw it on Turner Classic Movies. It's available, oh. I think, on DVD. Uh, and it is about... James Garner is a man who is in middle age but doesn't want to... He doesn't live like he's in middle age. He lives like a much younger man. And his brother, played by James Woods, ha- is a paranoid schizophrenic. And their mother passes away, and he had promised his mother years ago, I'll take care of my brother... If anything should happen to you, and he's finding it now very hard to live up to that promise in a way he didn't realize it would be because he never really thought about it before. And for the most part, it's a pretty understated movie. There's, of course, a scene where James Woods flips out completely, uh, which is a little over the top. But uh, does he stick anything in his fucking tummy? (laughs) No, he's not. He doesn't. He doesn't enter the new flesh. (laughs) But uh, the but uh, it's a movie about a. Two brothers who really have nothing in common and have trouble living with each other in a way that they can never really overcome. And the best that they can do is kind of come to an understanding about each other in a way that they love each other, but they can't fix each other. And I found that there was an, for, especially for a Hallmark TV movie, oh, this was at the time when they were putting out really, really quality TV movies, that for that, it really got to that point in an honest way, in a way that something like Collateral Beauty did not do. And the score in it is done by David Shire, who did the score for my favorite movie, Taking Pelham 1, 2, 3, and it is light years different from the score for that movie. For the um, score of Taking Pelham 1, 2, 3 or Collateral Beauty? Taking Pelham 1, 2, 3. Because Collateral Beauty sounds like it was scored by like Atticus Ross's nephew. <laughs> There's a surprise about a beeps and boops in the soundtrack <laughs> of it. Uh, not in Collateral Beauty, I mean. So Promise, I would recommend as just a solidly made family drama type movie that I liked. All right, okay. guys. Bunch of recommendations. Yep. That's an accurate summation of what just happened. Now what's the next thing we that we're going to do? The next thing we do is we... Do we do uh, like... Prizes or no. I'm curious like about quiz. Stuart doing one of those famous dances of his. I hit stop on the recorder, and we all go home to our snug little beds. Uh huh. And we go shuffle off to Dreamland. <laughs> what if I need to shuffle off to Buffalo? <laughs> You're free to do that. What if I just want to dream about a buffalo? The He's free country for now. Uh, too topical. Yeah. Okay, Air America. I'm getting too saucy. We should probably sign off for the flop house. I've been Dan McCoy. I've been Stuart, the Quaken Quaker Wellington. <laughs> Not actually a Quaker. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask about that. And friends, who are we really when it looks when Jesus. we get down to it? There's really only three constants in life: uh-huh. love, death, just some 
bunch of meat and bones. And time. We're just sacks of flesh with maybe a little bit of spark and who knows who put it there. Can you put a name on it? Can you really put a name on the thing that makes us us? Put a name on it. I guess if I had to put a name on it, for me, I'd say Elliot Kalen. Good night, everybody. Good night. Oh. Let's start this show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Show that we do. Mm -hmm. All right. It's called a podcast. We'll do the intro first, and then we'll do the second part second. Okay. Love it. So the second part is the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so well, you what, decided what the part show are we doing the now? second part. Uh, in three, two, one. On this episode. <laughs> I don't know why you looked at me like I was about to unleash a jape on you. <laughs> three, two, one, they'll look to you like, I did something bad. <laughs> like, I'm a naughty little boy with my counting down. Oh, uh, can you numbers, believe me? Numbers usually go the other way. <laughs> MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.